I invite you to stand as we come for the reading of God's Word once more. Our sermon text this morning comes to us from 2 Corinthians chapter 9 as we look at verses 10 through 15. Again, over the past several weeks, a little over a month, we've been having a sermon series on Christian service and we close out that series today with the reading of these five verses. And again, we give thanks again. Uh, for uh, the Lord's Word. Again, from 2 Corinthians uh, chapter uh, 9, uh, verses 10 through 15. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. For the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. While through the proof of this ministry they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and all men, and by their prayer for you who long for you because of their exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be to God. For His indescribable gift. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, You have given us these words on this day. And may You use them and apply them unto our hearts. That we might live lives of thanksgiving for Your grace. And in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Now, what are the words uh, that uh, the Apostle... Uh, uses in this passage is a word which in some of our circles is not a word we usually use kindly. And of course, that's uh, sometimes a ninth commandment thing we need to be watchful for, but you know, we usually don't use the word liberal uh, in a positive way, especially when we talk about politics. But what does Paul mean by this word liberal. What does he mean when he talks about the liberality that is to be part and parcel of the Christian life? What do we hear the Apostle Paul telling us uh, when he says uh, that, uh, and for your liberal sharing with them and all men, and by their prayer for you, who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you. Of course, when we think of the word liberal in this way, what we mean is the free offer of the gospel. What we mean is the way that it's unencumbered. That it doesn't come with any strings attached. You know, there, there, there's no uh, kind of... Uh, you know, in, in old magazines, you know, you used to have uh, these uh, ads where you had to clip out something and mail it in. You know, I know that was often the case with cereal I had as a kid. You know, there would be this uh, picture on the cereal box and, and you, know, you thought it was actually inside the box. And you're sitting there trying to figure out how they got this big basketball inside of a box of Lucky Charms. Not that my parents ever let me have Lucky Charms, but you, know, you wondered about this. And you opened the box and there was a little plastic bag inside with a, uh, with, with a little card. And you're supposed to fill it out, you know, put a stamp on it, send it back 
uh, to uh, this place. And then in six to eight weeks, uh, you would get this thing. And of course, you would have this uh, picture in your mind of this you know, NBA professional level basketball that would come in the mail. And, and, and then this little thing would come in the mail and you'd be all disappointed. Well, of course, that's not what we mean by the liberality of the Gospel. There's not something that has to be done in order that you might receive it. And this is what gets at the heart of Christian service. Again, those of us who have been receivers of the Gospel of grace are not to be like those who think they have earned their place in the kingdom. But we who have been freely given and granted the name of God, who have been freely gifted and granted the righteousness of Jesus Christ, should act like those who do not own these things, but should freely give them unto others. Now, one of the things we've seen in chapter 9 is the, the, the kind of the background here has been the gifts that they were supposed to give to the church at Jerusalem. You know, there was a famine in the land at that time. And they were supposed to freely give to the needs of their brothers and sisters. And one of the points that Paul has made in both chapter 8 and chapter 9 is that even these material things that we have, we don't have because of what we have done. We have them because of the grace of the Lord our God. Because again, where did this material stuff come from? When we go back to Genesis chapter 1, uh, verse 1, who was in the beginning? Was the universe already in existence? And we see there that the Lord our God spoke this creation into being. And so everything in this creation belongs to the Lord our God. Whether it be the greenbacks that we get from the bank, or whether it be whatever is deposited in your bank account uh, on uh, Thursday or Friday or Monday or whenever. Just like the houses in which we live, just like all the other things that we have. And we don't have because of who we are, but because of what God has provided for us. Again, when you, you, you come to, especially material possessions, with this, with this mindset, again, it changes, again, how we see everything else in our lives. Again, that we are where we are today. Because what God has done from before the foundation of the world. That God has called us to be His covenant people. And that God has given to us uh, the uh, fullness of His grace. That's why Paul closes this section in verse 15 by saying what he does. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. Because again, if we sit down and we, we really take stock of what the Christian faith is. If we take stock of what has happened in our salvation. Again, it really is an indescribable thing. That the God who is holy and who is righteous, who is just, has done what? Has sent His only begotten Son. And you think about that again. Again, Jesus freely offered Himself 
for our sins. It wasn't because He had to. In fact, there was no necessity in what Christ had done. Because each one of us would have been righteously and dutifully and in all justice sent to hell for our transgressions and for the stain of Adam which is upon each and every one of us. But again, God freely gave. He freely gave in the second person of the Holy Trinity who took on flesh, who was born of a virgin, who lived a perfect life, who died on the cross at Calvary, who was raised from the dead on the third day, who was raised into the heavenly places where He sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Again, this is an indescribable thing when we really sit down and think about it. And that's one of the the, the purposes of Paul's second letter to the church at Corinth. And he wants them to understand what it is uh, they have been called to do and how it is they have gotten to that point. He wants to awaken their minds, to open their ears and their eyes to see again how beautiful it is uh, that Jesus Christ has died for sinners. How beautiful it is that He has blessed us in every spiritual blessing. That there is nothing that we have that is not outside of God's blessed providence. And again, this attitude that we are to have in response to these blessed gifts is to be shown in how we not only treat one another, but how we serve one another. As we've said before, if our attitude of service is, well, this will make me look good in the eyes of the world. If our attitude of service is, well, somebody has to do it. If our attitude of service is, boy, this is going to get me a bigger mansion in heaven. Then we don't understand the nature of the gospel. We don't understand what has been done for us by the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't understand, again, the fullness of what has been provided for us by our Heavenly Father. Again, our attitude of service must be what we see that Paul lays forth here. uh, That we, who have been given all of these things... Go back to verse 10. Now may He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Again, where do we get these seeds to begin with? Again, we've been given these seeds by the sower himself. We've been given uh, these opportunities by the God who is over all things. And so again, understanding again this relationship that we have with our Heavenly Father. Again, that we who were not of the family of God have been adopted into the family of God and have received all the blessings of being in the house of our Heavenly Father. Again, the attitude that we are to have is one of liberality. Again, one uh, that freely gives to those in need. But again, we need to be careful that we not just make this a material thing. Again, it's good and it's righteous and it's a blessed thing uh, to give for the physical needs of men and women and of children. 
It's a necessary work that we've been called to do to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to provide the basic necessities of life. But again, think about Paul's again larger point in this passage. Again, what have we truly been given to sow the world with? We have been given the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it's interesting in, in, in the gospels, what, what do people want to do when Jesus heals them? What's the first impulse they always have? They want to go and tell others about what this man has done. Again, this attitude that they have is of giving to others. They want to speak of Jesus. They want to speak of the Lord Jesus Christ. They want to speak about this man. Now, they may not always have it perfectly in order. The the woman at the well wants everyone to come see this man who knows everything that I've ever done. And that's a blessed truth, is it not? Because think about what that says. The Lord Jesus knows everything that we have done. He knows our public sins. He knows our secret sins. He knows how we treated uh, the clerk at whatever store in the past month and a half. He knows all these things about us. Yet what is the blessed truth? That the Lord Jesus has forgiven us of our sins. He knows that we're dirty, rotten sinners. He knows that we have fallen short of the glory of God. He knows that we are unworthy of these things. Yet He has come and He has died for us. He has come and given of Himself for us. Again, in all liberality, He has given of His fullness unto His people. So again, our attitude of service, our attitude to the world around us, our attitude to ourselves must be one of liberality. Again, when we think of that second great commandment, you know, love your neighbor as yourself, well, there is that last word there, right? You know, love your neighbor as yourself. What's one of the most important ways we can love ourselves? One of the most important ways we can love ourselves is to remind ourselves of the Gospel. Remind ourselves of our place in the Lord Jesus Christ. Remind ourselves that we who were once blind have been made to see. We who were once in darkness are now in the light of His blessed truth. And again, if we have that attitude, that attitude of understanding of who we are and who we are in Christ, how can we not but go out and share this beautiful, indescribable gift with others that they might know who they are in the Lord Jesus Christ? That they might know the fullness of His blessing, the fullness of His good news unto the people. And that's one of the reasons why it's important for us, again, to make sure that we know the Gospel. And not so that we can kind of win at jeopardy or uh, we can wow our friends with our knowledge. The reason why it's important for us to know the Gospel, the reason why it's important for us to know our Lord and our Savior So that we can not only love ourselves, but we can love our neighbor as we love ourselves. So that we and we go out and share this gospel with all liberality. That we can have that joy in our hearts. 
That we can have, again, uh, this, this light on our face. And I think it's one of the things we're supposed to learn from, from Moses as he's coming down the mount. Again, we, we have that scene as he's coming down off Mount Sinai. And, and what does he look like? Right? He, he's, he's glowing. And why is he glowing? Because he was in the presence of God. Again, brothers and sisters, think about what has happened to us. Who have we been in the presence of? We have been not only in the presence of the Lord our God, but we have been made partakers. Again, we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. Again, if we have the Holy Spirit within us, how should we appear to the world? Again, that doesn't mean that we walk around with fake smiles and with you know, this, this kind of happy-go-lucky look on our face all the time. Right? That's, that's not what that means. What that means is, is that we have been given this glorious gift and we are to exhibit the way in which that makes us feel to the world. Again, that means that when we are facing death, again, Christians are supposed to die well. And how are Christians supposed to die well? Again, knowing that this is not the end. Knowing uh, that we are going not only uh, into the heavens themselves, but we are going to the place that God has destined us to be. Again, we are to show uh, that uh, love that we have for the Lord Jesus Christ in uh, the way uh, that we treat one another. Again, how does the Lord Jesus treat His enemies? How does the Lord Jesus treat those who would, who, who would seek uh, to, 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 to destroy Him? And we see the, the witness, of course, of Stephen as he's being stoned to death. And we see him exhibiting the same love for his enemies that his Savior had shown. And why does Stephen do that? You know, Stephen's not just trying to get more words out. You know, he's, not, he's not just trying to finish the story, Right? And his goal through that whole period of time in, in, in the book of Acts, when he's being stoned, his goal is that these men who are killing him would come to know the Lord Jesus as he knew the Lord Jesus. And of course, we see the, the, the seed that is sown in the midst of his example through his words. The Holy Spirit uses that to plant a seed in the heart of Saul. And as he's standing there holding the coats. And it's something worthwhile to think about in our Christian service as we go out unto a world that denied Christ crucified. Again, is the way in which we show Christ to our unbelieving neighbors. Again, if we act no different than our pagan neighbors, what's the, what's the point of all this? If, if we're no different than the world around us, Again, that's a question that each one of us needs to ask ourselves. Again, we're not meant to go and cut ourselves off from the world. We're not meant to kind of showboat our Christianity. But it should be evident to those around us that we have this indescribable gift in our hearts, in our minds, in our souls that we're, we're held by it. That there's nothing that this world can offer that can meet what Christ has given to us. And Paul here, as he writes 
And as he closes out this section again, Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed of your, you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. And again, that gets to the heart of this. Again, our lives are to be lives of thanksgiving. Lives of which are showing, again, how we are thankful that God has done this for us. As an example, think of, of, of often uh, you know, how our children receive gifts. You know, they, they receive things and uh, they enjoy them for 5, 10, 15 minutes and then it kind of goes away. Is, is, that, is that how we have received the gospel? And do we have that initial you know, you know, excitement you know, of, of, of saving faith? And then do we just kind of slump off and, and kind of assume the gospel? And kind of say, oh yeah, yeah I came to faith one time. You know, I, you know, I believed in Jesus. It's easy to say these things. But Paul here is challenging the Corinthian church to live in light of their gospel faith. Again, to live in light of what has been done for them in the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, is that how we live? Again, do we live as those who used to be on fire for Christ and now have kind of, uh, kind of, uh, you know, kind of gotten to the point in our lives where we're kind of resting in Christ, and not in the good sense of that, but are just kind of reclining in Christ, you know, laying down in Christ. Yeah, or, you know, and again, we think about well, how do we stay on fire for the Lord? How do we stay in fire on fire uh, for this goodness that is given to us? Well, again, how does the Apostle Paul lay out how we stay in, on fire for the Lord? Again, notice uh, what he says here about what others have been doing for them. While through the proof of this ministry they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and all men. And one of the most important things for us to remember is that we're not in this walk alone. And the Bible knows nothing about uh, you know, kind of isolated, uh, on-your-own Christians. And we see here in the language that Paul uses that they are in this fight with their brothers and sisters in Christ in Macedonia, with their brothers and sisters in Christ in Ephesus, and in Jerusalem, those who are receiving these gifts. Again, we have to be as a family of God. Again, we can't be seeking to undermine one another. We can't be seeking our own name in the midst of things. And that's not how an organism flourishes. That's why Paul in 1 Corinthians will use that image of the body. Right? You know, if the hand's kind of doing its own thing, then how's the body going to get fed? You know, is, is, is the mouth going to have to chase after the hand? You know, that's, that's, not how, you know, that's not how we eat, right? We eat because our hands pick up the fork, put it in the food, and put it in our mouth. Again, we, we eat because somebody has prepared that food for us. Again, the, the, the nature of the unity that we have in Christ is what enables us to do these things. And we have to be on the same page in this regard. 
And that's how the people at Corinth are going to exhibit these things. Again, left to their own devices, left to our own devices, what happens to us? You know, if we're out for ourselves, we're out uh, uh, to do what we want to do, and it, it just brings division. It, it brings chaos. It, it, it brings nothing uh, that shows forth this joy and this comfort that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, as, as the people of Macedonia, as the people of Jerusalem, as the people of Ephesus are, are, are praying for the Corinthians, again, what are they giving thanks for? They glorify God for the obedience of your confession of the Gospel of Christ. Again, this is why uh, everything we do has to be God-centered. Of course, that's one of those phrases that also kind of becomes rote, right? Well, of course we're doing it for God. We're a church. That's what churches do, right? They do stuff for God. But, again, we have to step back every now and then and ask that question. Are we doing this for that purpose? Are we doing this to serve the Lord our God? Or are we doing this for ourselves? And it's a hard question, but it's a necessary question. And why is that a necessary question? Because again, all this stuff that we've been given to do, all this stuff that we've been given, whether we're material things or spiritual things, have been given to us for the glory of God. Have been given for us that we might do the good works that God has set forward before us to do. Those beautiful words of Ephesians chapter 2 where, where we hear about the free gift. Right? The free gift of faith. The free gift of salvation. Again, verse 10 there closes with those words. That we might do the good works that God has set forward. Again, that language of we is important. Because again, we are together. Right? We are one body. We are one faith. We are one baptism. We are the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we not only must act in that way, but we must want to live and act in that way. And it's not enough for us to mouth these things. Right? What does the, the, God, the book of James say about that? Well, the demons know these things. They know the name of Jesus and they even tremble. Right? It's not enough just to know these things and to say these things. Again, we must exhibit uh, this love that we have for the Lord Jesus and we must show this love in the works that we do, in the way in which we serve one another. The Apostle Paul closes uh, this section again there in verse 14 by saying, And by their prayer for you, who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you, and this is, again is pointing once more to this nature of the unity of the body. Again, are we praying for one another? Are we praying for the needs of one another? Are we praying in precatory prayers against one another? Yeah, well, what is our attitude in prayer for our brothers and sisters in Christ? Are we praying that somebody might fail at something in order that we might do it? Are we praying uh, that, uh, you know, that, that, that somebody might do X, Y, or Z so, so we can do these things? Again, is that our attitude in prayer? Or are we praying for the glory of God? That God might be blessed through the service of our brothers and sisters? Are we praying encouraging prayers for one another? 
And this is something that is necessary in the eyes of what Paul has laid before us in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. In the way in which, again, God has given to us each and every one of us here today. Again, it's not an accident uh, that we all live in clover. Right? You think of the providence of God that has led each one of us here. None of us got here the same way. Some of you have been here for multiple generations. Right? King George brought your family here. Some of you married into families which King George brought here. Some of you moved into this area. And for some reason, you asked me to come here. But we, again, all have been brought to this place at this point in time, in this point in history, in 2019. And we have to be able to answer why it is that God has brought us here. He's brought us here to glorify His name. He's brought us here to serve one another. He's brought us here to serve our brothers and sisters in Christ. He's brought us here to serve our community. And again, that service must be done at its core, at its foundation. Because of the liberality that has been shown to us in Jesus. Again, we belong not body and soul to ourselves. We belong body and soul to the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, as those who have been bought with a price, as those who have been given this new life, and let us go forth in this place, testifying, exhibiting this love, not only for one another, but for our neighbors. And let us uh, be willing and able to serve one another in the love that Jesus Christ has served us with. And let us show forth again uh, the obedience that God has given to us. Not that we might earn His favor. Again, once more, that we might give thanks to God for His indescribable gift of His only begotten Son. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we give thanks again that You have given